Well, good morning. Out here in the front, I just want to draw your attention. There's these little booklets that are right out back here. These are called Seek God for the City. They're little devotionals that allow you to begin to prepare for what is coming up as one of the grandest days in the Christian faith. That is Resurrection Sunday. 40 days. Matter of fact, Wednesday starts. It's Ash Wednesday in which Christians throughout history have actually set aside and, and prepared themselves for the Resurrection Sunday. What we have done is we've purchased these books. We've had these the last few years. They're books that allow you to have a devotional and allow you to to pray around the world. It gives you little thoughts all throughout. And they're right out back if you want to drop a dollar in and you can take one. If you don't have a dollar, then um, you can have one for free. How about that? So we want you to have that and help you get uh, set up and get ready for and prepare yourselves as Easter is coming. I am strongest when, fill in the blank. I am strongest when I beat you. I am strongest when I win the argument. I am strongest when I have accomplished that business deal. I am strongest when I make good grades. I am strongest when I win the argument. I am strongest when I have new clothes. I am strongest when I have a new haircut. I am strongest when. Have you figured out what your button is yet? I am strongest when. When do you feel the strongest? I am strongest when my health is good. When my bank account is good, my, my investment accounts are high. I am strongest when. Now, I've asked my son to come up and help me today. Xander, why don't you come on up here, buddy? This is Xander. Would you welcome him to the stage? Right. All right. Say hi to everybody. Hi. All right. Very good. He's, he's really excited to be helping dad here. All right. Now, Xander and I, we, uh, we like to wrestle, don't we? We like to fight, don't we? We like to beat each other up, don't we? Now, do you think you can show him how tough you are? You want to arm wrestle? Yeah? Okay, you ready? It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. Are you ready? When they say go, we're going to go. You ready? One, I'm going to beat you. Two, I'm going to beat you. Three. He won. Ooh, I almost lost him. Show him how strong you are. Show him your muscle. Oh, yeah. All right. Very good. Very good job. I, the last time we didn't go off the, the, the table like that, so you did a good job, buddy. Uh, man, he wanted to win really bad. I, I strongest when I compete. I am strongest when. If you have kids, you understand the principle. You play it out all the time strong and you enjoy you enjoy the fact when when you do get to wrestle when you do play it is fun when they actually feel like they've beaten you when they've won their eyes light up and they get so excited by wow i just beat dad wow i just i'm smarter than mom <laughs> well, however it plays out in your life i don't know 
We're going to talk today about the next beatitude. The next beatitude, Matthew chapter 5, you have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 5 is something that we, we, we don't really care for. It's one that we kind of push back just a little bit. Because in our lives, we truly feel weak when we're meek. In 2004, the United States basketball team went to Athens, Greece. Do you remember this? They went to Athens, Greece, and and the previous Olympic basketball teams were made up of all-star NBA players, and they came back and they blew different countries out of the water when they played basketball. So in 2004, when they went to Athens, Greece, they expected the same thing to happen. There was cockiness, there was arrogance. Do you remember Athens, Greece? They went over and they began to lose. And oh my goodness, what happened? And they lost and lost. And they ended up not winning the gold medal. Humiliated, defeated. 2008, Beijing, China, the games were coming around and they began to select and say, how are we gonna, who do we need to get as coach so that we win? Who are the players? They selected a coach named Mike Krzyzewski of Duke Basketball, Duke University. He comes on, and as he began to, to get the teams together, he began to, by not just looking at their skills, but he had off-the-court interviews. Do you remember? Off-the-court interviews to make sure that these guys actually really wanted to play. They understood that it was the highest goal was to bring back a gold medal. It wasn't just a joke around. When they got to Beijing, China, there were curfews for the men. There were bedtimes, and they were not even allowed to go off and do a lot of sightseeing. The sightseeing had to be in a group on special time, only on marked times, because they were there for one purpose, and that purpose was to win a gold medal. Their humiliation prior helped them understand what they needed to do. 2008, they did walk away with the gold medal. Now, Matthew chapter 5, you have your Bibles. We're looking at the next new attitude. Now, how many of you walked through the, the grocery store this week and you saw the labels new and you started looking at them? Anybody? All right. If there's not more hands, that means I have to spend more time on this right here. Until you get it, until it's in your brain and you get so frustrated walking through. We can change the packaging, but did it really change what it is? Just saying new, did that change what it's all about? It's still Fruit Loops. Our goal as you walk through the grocery store aisle is this, that when you see the new label, you're reminded that you're not to just change the outward behaviors, but what Jesus is after and what Jesus is seeking is that you and I radically shift and change the attitude, that we have a new attitude inside. It's a heart core of our our being, that it's what needs to change, new. All right, so Matthew chapter five, you got your Bible, stand for the reading of God's word, please. Matthew chapter five, and I'm gonna start up in verse one, and we're gonna read down through our text today. Matthew chapter five, and here's what it says, seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor, in spirit, and you remember what poor means. Those, it's us having the attitude and understanding that we are lacking, that we are beggars, that we need God, and we have nothing good to offer God in and of ourselves. Poor in spirit. And then it moves us to verse four. Blessed are those who mourn, 
for they shall be comforted. And it wasn't talking about just crying all the time. It was understanding who we are before God, poor in spirit, moves us into the fact that now we see sin as what it really is, an offense to a holy and a righteous God. And so that when we see sin in our own lives, we are moved to become mourners, those who who are sorry, deeply sorry, and repent of our sin and turn from them. Then we move to verse five, and this is our text today. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your t- this time. I thank you for allowing us to be able to sing praises to you and just be able to worship how great you are. I pray now that your spirit would have freedom to move. Your spirit would teach us something. That God, our hearts would be open and our ears would be ready to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. So here's what we have. We have Jesus is sitting down and he's teaching a large group of people. And these people are looking around and they're, they're coming to hear Jesus. And he says something that's so radically opposite of what they're used to hearing. He says, blessed are the meek. And if you know the crowd and you know who's sitting out there, this is incredibly foreign to them. You see, he's talking to Jews. And Jews were extremely prideful, arrogant in the fact that they were the chosen ones of God. We have an inroad to God. God hears us because we're Jews. God, God, we, God, we're, we're just, God's gonna bless us no matter what. We are in because God loves us more than he loves anybody else. So there was this pride and this arrogance that just comes with the territory of being a Jew. And then you have the Pharisees who are in the audience. And the Pharisees, you knew the Pharisees. Anytime they would walk in the room, you knew the Pharisees by what they were wearing, by how they carried themselves, by when they walked into the room, they even had a certain way they prayed. They had extra laws and extra rules that they put on top of the rules of God. They they kept making more and more. And everybody knew those guys are religious. Those guys have it. And they even had certain ways that they prayed. Pride and arrogance in their religious movements. The Sadducees would sit back and they were expecting a Messiah to come that would use the political means of the day. See, the Sadducees were high up on the political realm. They were part of the governing bodies and they were working closely with all the other governing bodies in that time. And so they would use political moves and political compromises so that they would stay in power. And what they expected was a Messiah who would come and who would bring together the, the, as a Messiah, they would actually overthrow certain political parties so that theirs would rise to the top. The Pharisees expected a Messiah to come and this Messiah would be come with great pomp and circumstance and he would bring great attention by his dress, by his attitude, by his wealth. There's another group that was in the audience that would be the Zealots. The Zealots were a group of people and they would hear Jesus say, blessed are the meek. And they were the ones who, who 
they were expecting the Messiah to come with armies, with power, with strength to overthrow the Romans. And so they were willing to fight at whatever it took. It didn't matter whatever brute strength that you needed. They were ready to fight on a moment's notice. These were the fighters. They loved a good fight. They loved just sitting back, watching a fight. They loved starting a fight. Whatever it would take to push back and move back the Romans, the Zealots. And so for Jesus to come and say, blessed are the meek, it was radically different from what they're here. They're going, wait a minute. The Messiah is going to be weak? He's not going to use power? Come on. And then you'd have the Romans. And if the Romans were there in this, at this point in time, which we know that they at least read the books during this time, the Romans, do you remember how the Romans conquered? Did they come in quietly and passively? When they came in, they came in with incredible brute strength. Great military strategies with irons and, or iron swords and iron shields and spears. They came and they overpowered. And it didn't matter what it took, what it cost. If you did not obey, you were dead. If you obeyed, you lived. It was that simple. And so for, again, the Messiah, for Jesus has said and say, blessed are the meek. They're hearing, you're weak. That doesn't make sense. Why do we need to listen to you? Blessed are the meek. The word means several different things. Let me give you some definitions here. If you're talking about medicine, meek, here's what it would mean. It would mean a soothing ointment. Now, if you've ever got a cut on your body and you poured alcohol all over it, is that soothing? Good answer. No, it's not soothing. It hurts. It hurts like fire. You're slinging your hand around. It hurts. Now, after it's cleaned, then you might take something like a Neosporin with uh, antiseptic and you rub it on. And what's it do? Soothes, calms it down. If you're talking about meek in, in, in nature, in the world around, what, what you would find is this, that it's a, a soothing, calm breeze. On a hot summer's day, you'd have this gentle breeze blowing through compared to the hurricane force that brings mighty dev- devastation all around. If you're talking about an animal, you're talking about the strength and the, the, the wild horse that has now been tamed for the military use. Now, I don't know if any of you have ridden much, many horses, but let me just tell you a story. When I was in middle school, I went up to, to my cousins up in southeastern uh, part of Colorado, and they have... Um, they had a couple thousand acres and we just, we would go up there and would hunt, would uh, do a lot of um, riding horses and would do different things. And so I'm in middle school and my cousin, he, he says, Hey, he jump on that horse right there. And I, I know we argue back and forth for a minute. And I said, listen, it doesn't have a saddle. Aren't you supposed to ride with a saddle? Oh, you don't need a saddle. That horse is trained. Okay. So I grab the mane and I, I get myself up on the horse. Now, how many of you know, when you squeeze a horse, Bareback, it means go faster. Did anybody know that? You guys are way smarter than I was. I had no idea. I'm scared to death. I get on the horse, it's bareback, and I start squeezing the horse because I don't want to fall off. Well, it's telling the horse to go faster. The faster the horse is going, the tighter I'm squeezing. I'm like, ah! Scared me to death. Now, something else I didn't know at this time. When you move your foot forward, it turns the horse. Did you know that? 
Or if you move it to this side, it turns the horse. I'm thinking the head. You just yank the main. That's what I'm thinking. You yank it harder and harder, whatever it took. And so as I'm bouncing around, I'm squeezing tighter. My legs are going forward. The horse starts going in and out because every time he's moving, I'm trying to stay on. And I'm, the horse is so confused. We ended up running right into the corner of the fence and he flings me over. I get up. And my cousin is on the ground rolling, laughing so hard. He's like, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And he was wishing he had a video camera. And every time I see him, that's what he still brings up. That's his memory of me. Now, think about the horse and its strength. You ready? The horse and all of its might and all of its power. By the simple touches, the leg moving forward just a little bit, a little tighter squeeze, has been broken and its spirit has been tamed enough so that the rider can control the horse wherever he wants it to go. Power under control. That's meekness. Let me give you an illustration of a human now. Let's use Jesus because I think he's a great example. Jesus, he's in the garden of Gethsemane. It is now nighttime It's after the Lord's Supper, the last one that he would take here on earth. His disciples have fallen asleep. Soldiers are now coming. Judas is in front. The lanterns have been lit. They get to the garden. Jesus wakes up the disciples. And what you have is Judas comes over and gives Jesus a kiss. The great betrayal. And then... Peter, with all the swords around, Peter pulls out his knife. Not a sword, his knife. It's a pocket knife. It's a small knife. And he tries to defend. Do you remember this? And I love his, his, his courage. I love his just stupidity, whatever you want to call it. But he, he's going to defend Jesus. And so he pulls out the, the knife and he swings at the guy's head. He misses the neck, hits the ear. And the ear falls off. Jesus picks up the ear, heals it. And then, do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, Peter, put it away. Don't you realize that I have legions, thousands upon thousands of angels that are waiting for just one word from me to wipe everything out? Power under control. He didn't use his strength to overcome You see, controlling yourself is actually the greatest strength of all. And Jesus steps up and he says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. What is the greatest barrier in your life and in my life to meekness? What would you think it is? If meekness is humility, what would be the greatest barrier to meekness? Good job, it's pride. It's the very opposite of what we're looking at. It's the very opposite of what, who we are. And if you look at pride, it's, it's, it's something that we begin to say, I take credit. I take ownership. I take the glory for something that has been given to me by God. Did you catch that? You see, sir, 
the reality for you is this, that your business, your wealth, your mentality, your business savvy has all been given to you by who? God. And yes, you can build your, you can educate yourself. Yes, you can, you can build up all your business contacts and you can do so many different things. But the reality, the bottom line is this, is that God has given you the gifts and the ability to do what you're able to do. It was God. It makes me laugh when I, when I see, when I see um, athletes and they begin to brag about how great they are. And then you just have to laugh and say, do you realize that the God of the universe made, it, made you six foot eight? You can't do that on your own. I would love to be six foot eight. That'd be fun. I would love to be 400 pounds. <laughs> muscle, sheer muscle. Okay, 350, we'll give it a little bit. <laughs> but I can't do it. It's God who's given the ability. It's God who's given the credit. It's God who's the one who's given you what you have in your life. Pride. There's pride in self-centeredness. When you look at self-centeredness, thinking that you need to have everything revolve around you, that everybody is there for you, that your wife is there to support you, that your kids are there to support you, that everybody has to jump to you, that's self-centeredness. Thinking that you deserve everything coming your way. What about pride in this form? Pride in competition. Not being able to lose. Is it good and healthy to have some competition? Absolutely. I want my kids to want to compete and want to, to win. But when you take it to the extreme, when there's so much pride that you cannot ever lose and lose as a having a good, being a good sport, there's a problem. It's out of whack. It's pride saying that you cannot do this. Pride. Let me give you some examples of pride here. I read a few different people. Paul Powell, he said this, quote, pride is so subtle that if we aren't careful, we'll be proud of our humility. He said, when this happens, our goodness becomes badness. Our virtues become vices. We can easily become like the Sunday school teacher who having told the story of the Pharisee and the publican, she said, children, let's bow our heads and thank God that we're not like the Pharisee, end quote. Pride, pride. So the question becomes, what does it look like? What are the traits that for you and I, what are the traits of a meek person? What does it look like if you and I become people who are meek? Because the Bible tells us that we'll be happy, right? Blessed. You'll be happy, you'll be fulfilled when you begin to have this new attitude in your life. You're gonna be blessed. And God, again, let me just put it out there because this is very weird teaching for Baptist. God does want you to be happy, Happiness is just found in him, not in everything else. So being happy and actually having the change in your attitude to understand that you need God more than anything else. So a characteristic of those who are meek is that you understand your need for God, first and foremost. You need God. 
In your strengths, in your weaknesses, you need God. I need God. We need God to play it out. That in my strengths, that I should not be able to boast about myself and how great I am. In my strengths, I point back and it brings glory back to God saying, God gave me the talent to be able to do this. God gave me the ability to do what I'm doing. God gave me the resources. God gave me the job. God gave me the mentality to actually be able to make this business still happen. God did it in my strengths, but also in my weaknesses that God gets the glory through that. For when I'm weak, then I'm, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So even through the weaknesses, God begins to get the glory. Dr. Samuel Bringle of the Salvation Army, here's what he said, quote, the ax cannot boast of the trees it has cut down. It could do nothing but for the woodsman. He made the ax, he sharpened the ax, he used the ax. The moment the woodsman throws it aside, the ax becomes only old iron. Oh, that I may never lose sight of this, end quote. If it weren't for God working in your life, you wouldn't have what you have. If it wasn't for God blessing, if it wasn't for God doing what he's done in your life, you wouldn't have what you have. You couldn't do what you do. So it starts as a meek person. It starts by a recognition that you need God. The second trait of a meek person is this, is that you give praise instead of seeking praise. You give praise instead of seeking praise. No longer are you requiring that other people build you up and lift you up, but now you're willing and ready to give encouragement and to build other people up. What happens when you use your power and your strength, your finances, your resources, your intellect to push people down? When you push people down, what happens to you? Do you see how you're going down? You always go down when you're pushing people down. But when you begin to encourage people and you begin to pull them up, what automatically happens to you? Did you see my body posture? It's just a fact of life. You're pulling somebody up, you're going up with them. And when you begin to give praise instead of seeking praise and seeking others to build you up, it allows for God to be able to raise you up because God hates the prideful and arrogant, and he loves the humble. He actually says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and then you allow him to lift you up. When I'm seeking to use my power to build myself up, I'm not using my power to encourage and pull up other people. And the last thing is this, the trait for those who are meek The trait for those who are meek is this, that they defend the weak. They defend the weak. You see, Jesus came on, and when he came on the scene, it was radically different. Because instead of using, like the Pharisees, their power to to showboat and to be flamboyant, Jesus touched the poor. He touched the outcast. He encouraged He healed, he taught those who were pushed off of society. 
And when you and I begin to realize that I'm not better than that person on the street, I'm not better than somebody that maybe at once I thought was worse than me, you begin to be weak, meek in the sense that now you can touch the weak. Now you want to help those who are less fortunate than you. General Douglas MacArthur, he gave a prayer. Have you heard it? Build me a son. I will put the, the whole thing on my blog a little bit later today. Um, I'm just gonna read you the last part of it. This is by a, a great leader, military leader, and here's what he says at the very last part of his prayer. He's praying for God to build him a son. He says, give him the humility so that he all, may always remember the simplicity of true greatness, the open mind of true wisdom, the meekness of true strength. Then I, his father, will dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. A great military leader praying for God to build him a son. And part of it is the meekness. Ma'am, sir, the worst thing that we can do is to walk through this life with pride and arrogance, thinking that we've got it all done our way. And as Americans, we are prone to it. We think about it all the time. It's put in our face and we go over it and over it and over it and over it again. We just play it out. It's just normal. For somebody who is meek, you could be considered weak. But here's something I wanna share. The Bible says, blessed. You will be happy. You will be blessed by God. And then watch this. It says, and they shall what? Inherit the earth. I don't have to use my power and my strength to, to push you down. Do you know why? Because at the end of the day, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I've already won. I've already won. At the end of the day, at the end of life, at the end of this time, because I've trusted Jesus Christ and I've followed him, you ready for this? One day, I will inherit the earth. And you know how I inherit the earth? I get to rule and reign with Christ. What an incredible thought. I inherit the earth at the end of it all. So I don't have to push people down, use my strength to gain what I want. All I have to do is trust the God of the universe who's really in control of it all anyway. And it allows me to have meekness when I'm trusting that he's got it all figured out. Let's do our part to get rid of the pride so that we can be people who are blessed by God. 